Before we begin the episode, I'd like to say that this episode has been brought to you by our Patreon supporters at the Ultra and Above tiers. Shout out to our patrons, Tokulectables. You can find them at tokulectables.com. CS Toys, who you can find at cstoysjapan.com. Ryugen Urabuchi and Poraima. If you like what we do here at the Tokusatsu Network, from this podcast to our videos and live streams on YouTube to our everyday quality Tokusatsu news coverage, and you want to help us keep doing what we're doing here, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the tokenet. Some of our Patreon rewards include early access to all of our podcasts and videos, some exclusive behind-the-scenes blog posts from our editor-in-chief, Nicole Amber, and a few more surprise rewards as we continue to reach our fundraising goals. Thanks so much to our Patreon sponsors. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I am your host, Yas, and I am joined by Kitty. Hey! And George. Yay! You. Yeah. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, that will not be a thing all night, I promise. <laughs> I can't promise that. <laughs> so, as you can probably tell by the title of the episode, we will be talking about Kamen Rider X Aid. Yeah. The 2016, 2017, the uh, Kamen Rider series. Uh, I believe Kitty has a special name for it. Oh, yeah. I call it uh, Kamen Rider General Hospital because that's what I felt like I was watching. Just a soap opera Kamen Rider. Just everyone in, like, doctor's, you know, jackets and, like, the little thing is like, ugh, no. You can't like just every other minute was was very dramatic, very dun, over dun, the top. Dun. Yeah, yeah, like every step of the way, there was like I it honestly. I watched. I went words. Um, so <laughs> I went to Anime Boston last year. I think I did a write up of that, and uh, I went to a panel where they kind of described how part of common writers' influence. Uh, or one of Common Rider's influences is the fact that they assume that um, moms are watching Common Rider with their kids, and I felt like this—if it—if that's true, then it very, very. This was a show that I felt hardcore pandered to those moms who just wanted to be like at home watching their novellas, and instead they were stuck watching this kid show. Watching their stories. Yeah, they want to be watching their stories. <laughs> like, but, I need my soaps. <laughs> George, that was that's like something that was in the like more of the Heisei era than, like, show era, though, right? The whole catering towards uh, the Moms. mothers of the kids yeah. who watch the show. That started back with uh, Kuga. Well, not Kuga specifically. The thing is, in Kuga, the first Heisei show, the actor got surprisingly popular, so mm-hmm. that's when they thought, hey, we can use this as a springboard for up-and-coming actors. Mm-hmm. And... They started putting them in there, and they actually made a big deal about it when the producer that kind of initiated that whole thing went from Kamen Rider to Sentai for a while. Because they're like, oh, maybe she'll be able to do that for Sentai. It did Mm -hmm. not work out for Sentai. Right. Oh, so what what, uh, series did that producer try to implement that in Sentai? Go Busters. 
Really? Mm. Yeah. Uh, her name's Naomi Takebe. She did. She was an assistant producer on Agito, but she did stuff like Gaim and O's and right, Blasters right. and Gotcha. Cuba. Man. So. Uh, well, I still felt that that was kind of an influence. Where it like it was something that was in the back of my mind, where I was just like, I bet, like this was designed to try to bring in some older people because it just felt so. I don't know, serious soap opera e. Oh, it totally is. Um, so, like, there are TV ratings for these shows, and they go into specific demographics, and, like, so you'll have the kids representing, like, 90% of the audience. Yeah. And then mothers tend to make up, like, the second highest percent of the audience. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Man. And this show really didn't let up with the drama. and the. Uh, Never. Like, it just mm-hmm. kept, like, every episode, I feel like there was, like, some kind of reveal or some, yeah. Or some kind. Of, yeah. Or some kind of cliffhanger. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what gave it that soap opera feeling to me. Was like every turn, it was like, you know, on the same level of like, and he's my evil twin, but he's having like my wife is having his baby because she thought it like it just got it was too (laughs) much, just all the time. We're like, he's sick. And now she's gone to the bad side, but no worries, she's back. But now he's gone to the bad side, and and like I was like, okay, there's usually just one of these. What happened? Yeah. Like that was um, a problem I had with the show early on. It it really felt like there's too much happening, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a weird criticism because I felt lately Common Rider doesn't have enough going on, and sometimes I like to compare it with the current show Build. In where every episode it feels like something new is happening, but mm-hmm. they feel like a consequence of something that's been happening. Like a, like it feels like a natural progression of a storyline. With X Eight, it's kind of like, and now here's Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it it definitely feels like in build. It's it feels like like a lot, I've heard a lot of people say that it's got a slower pace, but there's still a lot going on. Whereas in X Eight, you got all these colors and like sounds and this and this and then you got reveal after reveal and like betrayal and this and that and it just feels like there's so much being thrown out thrown at you every episode yeah mm-hmm. can we also talk about how the um suit design started getting really stupid after a while yeah. uh, let, let's let's get to that <laughs> after we talk about like the, oh, the story? story of it yeah uh george do you want to break down like the story a bit uh, how deep do we want to go give us a, a brief glance over <laughs> okay so briefly it's about this intern pediatric intern who is also a superhero who fights uh medical viruses that manifest themselves as real life monsters and you know there are good guys and bad guys the bad guys tend to be people from an evil game corporation called Genmu Corp, so it's kind of like if Nintendo or Sony was trying to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, daddy drama. Multiple daddy drama. That's a lot That's, of daddy drama. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of it, yeah. I didn't even see that coming. I mean, it just, it felt like such a weird late game term. Now, here's something I have to ask, though, which kind of like goes into the whole, ah, oh, there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking about Dan and his dad, or Dan being Poppy's dad? Let's just say all of it. Can we say all of it? Because that was, I was never okay with that. Wait, but isn't Poppy Dan's mother too? 
Yes. Yes. Soap opera. Soap opera. <laughs> so Dan is Poppy's dad, and Poppy is also Dan's mom. So let's just say <laughs> it's real weird. It's very weird. Yeah. I I had so much hope for Poppy, to be honest. I don't know why I did. I I had a feeling that it wasn't gonna go well with her. Yeah, I mean, me too. But like, I I was kind of honestly hoping that like her like very serious nurse persona. Um, shoot, what was her name? Asuna. Asuna, thank you. I don't know why that was difficult for me to remember. Um. I felt like Poppy and Asuna would like slowly kind of become the same person. Cause it was always very weird to me that Poppy was very distinctly one person and Asuna was very distinctly a very, very different person who was far more serious and yeah. mild mannered and all these things. And Poppy was just this explosion. And I was kind of hoping for like almost a merging of the two characters into like this multifaceted creature you know and slash common writer and just i was let down let down was asuna supposed to be the soul of dan's mother i think so yeah really Um, i'm not sure i'm I'm just thinking i mean there's no definitive answer but it feels like she's supposed to represent a much more realistic person and dan's mother was a real person so that's always been my idea. Yeah. I didn't even think that far into it. I just thought that um that was her like being incognito. Mm-hmm. Like she was, you know, going out of her way to like not pretend, but um what's it called? But to, you know, play the role. But there's a lot of very genuine raw emotion that comes out of the Asana character. Um, that we don't see as much of when she's being poppy, and not not that we don't see as much of it, but it's it's a different like when she's being Asana and she's like angry or anything like she drops all of the affect, mm. and it's like the actress who plays her is very very good. I just wish that the writers had given her more. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, she somehow managed to, like, both play the asana part very, very seriously and also not, like, I mean, Poppy was ridiculous, but she managed to play Poppy very enthusiastically, and it it made that character likable for me. Yeah, I, that's definitely why I liked her a lot. Going into it, I kind of figured she might be annoying and just there for the eye candy. I think that might be how it started out, but as it progressed, I kind of just, I liked her a lot more than the Asuna persona just because we got to see more of her and I felt like they were giving her more to do. And in the long run, she was probably, or she definitely is my favorite female Kamen Rider. I feel like in Kamen Rider, the females tend to get sidelined almost from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't really take control of their own destiny and a lot of what they do feels like a consequence of what a guy did but with right uh, poppy it feels like she was very proactive you know she's the one that brought back dan she ended up sacrificing herself and Mm -hmm. 
and I know that's a point of contention for a lot of people, but to me, that was the one time a female death felt very substantial, like it mattered. Like, I don't know if you've seen yeah. Ryuki, but in its movie, there's a... Mm, spoilers? It's fine. Go ahead. So in the movie, it introduces um, a female Kamen Rider, and she basically gets killed and then dies by herself, like in an alley with nobody around to like notice at all. That so, sucks. Yeah, she was the first female Kamen Rider, so like it's Poppy's not perfect, but I feel like we've come a really long way in actually making them matter to the show. She's not the yeah. first female Kamen Rider, though, is she? Them? Yeah. I thought what about Tackle? Uh that's up for debate if she's a Kamen Rider. Oh. Okay. She's literally not called a common writer, but that's a right. thing for another day. Mm. But, I mean, as far as female characters who have, like, their choices taken away from her, we did have that in this show. Her name was Nico. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, that. Okay, uh. not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. Well, let's break the the whole, like, series down. Like, it had diff- it had definitely had different arcs. Right. Say. So, like, the first arc, we had the intro arc where we talked of where you get introduced to the writers, this whole concept of uh, the game virus, the Bugsters, mm-hmm. Genmu, this whole corporation trying to figure out who this mystery, like, dark common writer is, who mm-hmm. maybe we figure out that it is Dan, who is the common uh, writer uh, Genmu and all. Well, we get this whole thing where the Bugsters start to kind of revolt like they yeah. want they want to start to take control of the game mm-hmm. um and the game being uh common writer chronicle which was being mm-hmm. developed by dan uh as the ultimate video game where everyone becomes a common writer and everyone yeah. fights for basically i believe it's to get a wish granted right or is that is that what the it's goal was to uh bring back um a person who died from either the disease or in the game. Someone uh, okay. who was erased. They can bring them back. Right. And that's yeah. that's the um that's the arc where we get a lot of like switching of uh sides where um Poppy <sighs> gets like uh basically gets brainwashed. Does she get brainwashed or does she get yes. her memories back? Uh, well, they use the word brainwashing at first, um, but they basically, uh, reset her to factory settings, Mm, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, and they got rid of her memories of being, uh, with the, Um, yeah, what, what, they're the CR? CR, yeah. CR, yeah. Um, and just all those memories. Uh, it was effectively brainwashing anyways. What were you guys talking about, though, with, um, Miko and her choices being taken away? Um, or Nico, excuse me. Jumping straight to the end, I guess I felt like she had an arc that was basically, it should have culminated in her having, like, this really cool victory against somebody that mattered. Mm -hmm. And... It has never stopped bugging me that it ends up with, you know, her not being able to transform and Taiga having to, like, beat, or rather transform into Kronos for her. And 
to, to me that felt like the ultimate yeah you don't matter let's let the guys handle it yeah like it, it I never understood her role in the show to begin with like aside from her being the rival of Emu like I never understood why she was collecting all of the gashats like because she it, wants to be the best and right. beat M. But at some point, they were fighting all together, like against the Bucksters, and then she would get the final blow, and and they would give like I think right because sure they- the only reason, the only way that they could get the um, trophy to appear is if a player uh, got the final blow. So uh, the. Um, Common riders were considered like special, like rare characters within the game. They're not players. Oh, okay. So yeah, was, she was actually okay. really crucial towards collecting all the trophies. She had to be there and get the final blow in order uh, for them to get the trophy. Okay, I was, I was, I think I had missed that point of this, like of the story where they, yeah. all, like, or she was decided to be the one to deliver final blows and get. The gashats or whatever. Yeah, well, she was the one who figured it out because they kept killing the the bugsters, um, but they just kept coming back. Right. There were a couple instances of that. And so she went and got the game and started playing, and they were like, oh, how could you do this? This is like the third time you've had the bugster virus. And she's like, yeah, but. <laughs> mm. And so, so they had to let her keep playing. So yeah, she did have an important part in this whole like Conrader Chronicle Absolutely. scenario, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, um, Tyga comes sudden in out of like, nowhere. Well, yeah, all of a sudden they were well, I, it wasn't exactly out of nowhere. I mean, they said the guy said like, "What you really think that I'd let you win? Like the choice is probably die from trying to use you know that Gashat or." Die from me just killing you. Choose. Fill yourself with, you know, a deadly virus, like 10 of them, or let me kill you. But she seemed like she was ready to take on the challenge. She was 100% ready to take on the challenge. And I think that they, I totally agree that they should have let her Mm -hmm. instead of having her, like, weird, like, mentor love interest step in and be like, no. I can't let you put yourself at risk. What kind of doctor would I be to you if I did if I let you do that? And like that whole drama nonsense. It would have been so much cooler if she'd done it. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. Like I, I feel like that should have been the final like battle. And yeah. having him all of a sudden say, Oh, I've been training myself to endure these viruses this whole time and now I'm gonna use that ability to turn into chronos and it's like mm-hmm. that just felt like something that they took out of thin air just so that he could transform yeah life and become chronos i'm Absolutely. pretty sure he was shirtless too <laughs> probably i like here's the thing the show is silly i'm gonna say it i'm just gonna come out and say it it's a really really silly show it started out very promising i was very excited about it I was a little worried because I was like, we're going to say that computer viruses are also now just like a regular person virus. I mean, all right, I guess, whatever, it's fine. Uh, And then it just, it just got weird and stayed weird and then got weirder. 
I have to say, though, I really loved Grododan as a villain. Like, his <laughs> type of, like, downright maniacal, delusional, cartoonish villain was, I feel like, the kind of villain that I had been looking for in a common Rider series, mm. where he's just so out there. Yeah. Mm. I feel like he got more out there once he died. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's because when well, he just... then he was a bugster, so he was yeah. actually a, a character at that point. <laughs> yeah, I think early on it was easy to take him as more of a threat. Mm-hmm. But you know, as soon as he come back, he comes back. They definitely just drop all pretense of him being any sort of serious character. Oh yeah, um, I think a lot of that also works really well because of the actor. Oh, yeah. he was amazing. Yeah, he loved that role. Absolutely. Like he he took that role to Twitter. Like he would act as Dan on Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So man. like, quick funny story about that. Um, when Kidia died. Um, like there's like a, a sadness storm over Twitter. Oh and yeah. Kuroto's actor tweeted, "Why is everyone sad about this episode? I thought it was pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> and like that's just a sort of like douchebag he can be, and it's hilarious. God. I love it. Yeah, that was the one death that honestly really got me. Oh yeah, that was wait, you uh, Kiria or Dan? Oh, Kiria. Okay. Hands down. All, like, I got feels. Yeah. When he, oh, man. I don't, uh, know if you, I don't know if you know this, but the episode where he dies aired in Japan on Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Why you do this? No. <laughs> uh, it was, it was such hard. a heartbreaking episode. Like, man. Oh, my God. Like yeah. He was already he was already the fan favorite of the series by that point. And oh, absolutely! Yeah. He was like the one. He was the comic relief kind of guy. He was. Well, he wasn't he even, was just, and he wasn't even just that. Like he was also like you didn't know if you could trust him. You didn't know if you could trust him. You didn't know if you could trust. He's like the the lovable rogue type yeah. character. He, yeah, by sure that point, he's the most well rounded character. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like he still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, I, uh, um, speaking about the characters, like, I, there was very few characters I could actually, like, connect with or, like, care about in this show. And Kiryu was one of them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't even there for, like, half the show. I know. Can we talk, though, about the fact that when he first got his transformation, he was a bike? Yeah. And that he was useless without someone else helping him? Yeah, oh man. It was also sad when he died because then Emu got the bike and it had no eyes on it because he was dead. Yup, I hated it. I hated it. (laughs) That's one of those things that X-Aid made me feel really conflicted about was, um, you know, everyone came back to life, which on one hand is cool because I really love most of the characters, but on the other hand, it's like, uh, you know, it kind of lessens, it cheapens their death, so I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't... Well, here's... um, They didn't exactly come back, though. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're, they're bugsters now. They will live forever as a computer virus-like type person thing. 
Yeah. That, like, I really want to see that address in like a future movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's that the would difference? be really cool. What's the difference? Yeah, like they because they there's they for all the intents and purposes they can still be alive and hang around with their friends and this and that, but like, they're immortal. They're immortal. They're immortal, yeah. Yeah. Well, unless someone kills them. But yeah. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of being immortal? Well, no, but it's like, uh, what is it? It's long lived, long lived rather. Like elves don't die of natural causes in Lord of the Rings. They just keep living on forever, but you can still kill them. What's Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I'm kidding. Calm I know down. you're kidding, calm but down. there was like, there was a moment of like fear <laughs> and rage that was like, wait. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 the whole, I, I think it was just the fact that the whole bringing people back to life at the end of the show sort of became a trope, and it's yeah. something that just keeps happening. And I, in previous shows, I really like hated it, and mm-hmm. here, because of how some of them died, it actually, like, really you actually felt things. good to see them again. Oh uh, well, yeah. For at the by the end, though, I felt like. Dan could have stayed... No, uh, what is it? I don't know. I felt like a lot of people could have stayed dead. Yeah. Like, Kidia, Kidia, I was so glad to see back, and I love the drama and everything that he brought with him with the whole, like, you know... Pretending to You be still evil. didn't know whether or not you could trust him, even as, like, a bugster. <laughs> like, that was still true. Yeah. I loved that. Um, but, uh, like, a lot of people, a lot of people could have stayed dead. I think Poppy should have stayed dead. Oh, here's something that I want to address. Can we talk about, and now I want to get the name right, um, uh, Hiro's girlfriend. Saki? Can we talk? (laughs) Oh, Saki. Oh, boy. Um, Like. Let's. It was literally never addressed. Like, she straight up got deleted beyond being brought back as a bugster and then it was never brought up again like this like her whole existence or death or whatever was a huge driving factor for brave for taiga like there was a lot about that whole situation with her death that was like a a a driving backstory point for multiple characters and then she like she got deleted and literally was never talked of again no one ever brought up her name or even said like you know it like to this is you know for what was her name again saki saki this was for saki like no one said (laughs) anything anything yeah it's like she only existed when it was convenient to taiga or hiro yeah, and it was really, really frustrating. They for me. did mention her at the end, though. Did they? Um, well, when they're <laughs> when they were listing <laughs> when when they were reading the names of the victims and like Emu's determination to try to bring people back, but that was kind of late in the game at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's late in the game. Everything's already pretty much almost been taken care of. And, like, we know she got deleted. Like, she's just gone. 
Yeah. Oh, quick, quick side point. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to point out how, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but for me, it was surprisingly touching that they actually took time to read the names of every single person that died. Cause, yeah. And, you know, people die a lot in tokusatsu shows, but it's like, mm-hmm. they feel like they don't matter too much unless you're a named character. Right. But because they take they take the time here to read every single name, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the readings of the names people do on nine eleven. So it yeah. added this huge sense of gravity to it for me. Here, the part of it for me, I like, I really liked it too. But at the same time, like they mentioned people like Kuroto Dan who were alive as a bugster. But like, they didn't know. <laughs> Wait, did they know that he was alive as a bugster? Yes, public? he Emu read out. Uh, oh, Emu did, yeah, yeah. Emu but it was that public knowledge. Kuroto, oh well, I guess they didn't know that Kidia was for sure dead. No one knew that he just went missing for a while, and no one knew what happened to him. And then he came back, and they read his name as one of the ones deceased from the whole thing. Well, technically, he is deceased. Technically, he is deceased, but he was, like, there listening. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there, it was just for a public-facing like thing where it's, like, it was a press conference, right? Where they're yeah. saying all the names. So, for the press conference, like, for the public's purpose, they said all the names of deceased. But the fact that he's alive as a bugster is something that only they know, I believe. So, it's, like, it's, I don't know. I feel, I feel it's still honoring their sacrifice Absolutely. Towards the fight. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. It just, for me, there, it, like, there was a certain amount of it that, like, it it just lost a little bit of gravity. Right. When it, like, switches, like, their name gets read and then it shows a shot of, like, what they're doing now. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Actually, it, it, it kind of did the opposite for me. Cause, like, because we're, at that point, we've seen them come back for, like, I don't know, five episodes, something like that. So you're like, oh, okay, right. Kiria's there fighting alongside, you know, Dan is there and all that. And yeah. when you hear them say, oh, the, uh, let's read the names of the deceased, and they say Kuroto Dan and Kiria, yeah. it's like, oh, crap, yeah, they're dead. I, f- I almost forgot about that. That's like, true. they're here, but they're dead. And that kind of brought back the reality of like, oh, right, these guys got killed. Yeah. No, you're right. So, so it... So I can definitely see your point, though. If you're seeing them looking at their... It's like seeing a ghost look at their grave or whatever. Yeah. In, a, in like a show or an anime or whatever. But um, how did we get here? I don't know, man. We got <laughs> lost. Much like the plot of X-Aid. Oh, right. We were talking about people coming back like Papi and Para, Parado, Parado came back. Oh, yeah. Saki. Yeah, yeah Saki. And yeah. Man, Saki was like... I could not stand her to keep repeating the same line over and over. Oh, it bothered the crap out of me. (laughs) But you know what? Like, I felt a little bit like I was going crazy when I was just hearing that on repeat. And so I was kind of like, this must be what Hero's feeling like. (laughs) And it did that weird thing with her face where, like, it was was like a recording where her face kept looping back. Yeah. 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 That, it was she, that interest- actress was I mean, I know they only gave her the one line to do over and over and over again, but she delivered it almost exactly the same every time. Yeah. It was, I was very impressed. Wait, but wasn't it just a recording? Huh? So like she would only have to do it once, they would just reset it? No, I don't think so. 
Really? It was mm-hmm. like it was very very streamlined. If it's just her photoshopped in there, I mean not photoshopped, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, green screened in there because like you see her like look down and look back up, and it, like unless right. they like stitched that perfectly. Nah, I I, I think it's it's been a while since I've seen that episode, so that's probably me forgetting. Yeah, uh, it was shot. Uh, speaking of like the final confrontation, like after they get a lot of the, the gut shots, and we get we finally see the the purpose of the Kamen Rider Chronicles game. We mm-hmm. do get introduced to Dan's father, Masamune Dan, or Masamune Kuroto. Uh, Masamune, no, Masamune Dan. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I. I'm fifty fifty on that guy. Like I, I liked how much he was hamming up the performance of like being a, just evil. an evil bad guy. Like mm-hmm. it was actually pretty amusing watching him be a bad guy. Right. Um, but his whole gimmick of like always being able to one up the writers. Like whenever they would have an issue, like oh, we need to figure out how to get past his uh his uh what do you call it his time stopping capabilities. And then they, uh, Dan creates this whole new form for Emu, and that is able to, you know, break through that time warp thing or whatever, and be able to stop him. And then mm-hmm. he totally reshapes the game to his advantage again. And then they have to figure it out again. And then once they figure it out, then he ha- he breaks the game again. And after mm-hmm. the third time, I was just like, oh my god, we get the point. You can rechange. <laughs> we can you can change the game. How are we going to defeat this guy? I'm like, I was yeah. over it after a while. Like he just and kept coming back. I think the point there is that he's basically supposed to represent a really, you know, just an angry kid, basically. Yeah. Like the moment something doesn't go his way, he changes the rules to the game. But you know, since he is a common writer, he can actually do that to some great effect in real life. Come on, Masamune. Yeah. Yeah. It just got tiring after a while. <laughs> No, it yeah, like, it did. It, it did. It, it just like if they changed the script just to be like, okay, and well now he is this powerful, and then they have to work to get to be to find a way to beat him. Then oh, well he can finally go to double X mode or whatever, and just and yeah. If after a while, just kind of, okay, we get the plot device, just get to the point. Yeah, <laughs> I'd actually like to touch on something that we haven't talked about yet, and that is. Um, uh, Parado infecting Emu mm. and how uh, all that worked with him being able to transform into a common writer because of that. Right. What did you guys think of that as a plot device and how that ended up kind of working itself out? I thought it was interesting that Dan created that virus way back when he was a teenager mm-hmm. and Emu contracted... Uh, Emu actually was helping, was trying to help Dan create the game. Yeah. He was giving him ideas and stuff like that. And then I guess he was getting pissed off that this kid is like, you know, it's like so much like more creative than him. And then he Mm -hmm. puts a virus, he creates a virus and that infects Emu. And that's how he gets sick and and becomes capable of being a comrade because of Parado. Um, And 
Parado. Like we didn't find out about that until probably midway through the show because of him sort of going berserk mm-hmm. every once in a while, and he didn't know why. Yeah. Um, I did. I thought that it was cool, and I thought it actually made for a cool uh, camaraderie and partnership between the two. And right. it made it actually made Parado like one of the uh, one of the characters that had the most like progression. Like he changed the most. He went from being completely evil and wanting to have this game for himself and winning this game to finally figure finding out like what it means to die mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know finding with himself to like you know sympathize with you know people who lose their lives and the people who you know, who've lost someone or whatever. And then he becomes a good guy and promises to fight with Emu, like alongside him from now on. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like, that was a really cool plot, like plot for both of them. I just wish that had more, like it was more front facing. Like I I felt like it was, it was like, again, it's a problem with the show where it's like, there's just throwing so much at you that a plot like this gets like muddled in a bunch of other plots that are happening at the same time. Yeah. Mm, I thought that it was a fairly straightforward plot, but it was stretched a little longer than, well, a lot longer than it probably should have, just because mm-hmm. it probably didn't want to introduce another villain uh, beyond Parada at that point. But mm-hmm. for me, I always felt something was up. I think most people did too, felt something was up with Emu in the way that he would have this persona change when he transformed. Yeah. And it was more than just him being you know going into like his m persona it was like it felt like a different person yeah and so i felt we saw this natural progression of the viewer thinking huh something's weird there to oh hey he has two forms i wonder if that ties back into the second personality thing to oh hey it's actually just a different aspect of his personality it's just when you stretch that over like 40 some odd episodes right it doesn't really work for me very well you could have done that in half the time and i think it would have worked a lot better mm-hmm. I, um i did like what i did for parado as a character because i wasn't very fond of him at first i felt he was basically a brat he was really spoiled when things didn't go his way yeah and, like it was hard to see any redeeming quality in him right and mm-hmm. then you find out oh, he just wants to play a game with what is essentially his brother. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's cool to see him actually learn about the consequences of life and death. I feel like that's something you don't see a lot in Kamen Rider when it comes to monsters mm-hmm. or bad yeah. guys rather, because like you just assume that they know like what they're doing is not cool. And yeah. here it's like somebody actually learning that and just seeing the fear on his face when he's dying for the first time. Um, that is something I don't think I've really seen too often, and that that stayed with me. Like that was probably my favorite scene in the entire show. Yeah. So like that was the one that was like corresponded with him drowning in the water and all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, the whole thing about him uh, turning into a different personality when he as soon as he transforms, but Parado was still outside of his body. Mm-hmm. So how does that work exactly? I never got that because, like we said, like whenever he transforms, it almost like he has a different personality. It's um, not. It's what the way that I always kind of understood it 
Well, with the exception of when um, Parado like specifically decided that he was gonna save M M mm. by uh, taking over his body or whatever. Yeah, I assume it's just like you know uh, the virus in him the, uh, sort of is like a copy of uh, Parado. So like mm. it still has its influence and runs separately from when um Parado is like not there. Okay. Mm. But so it's kind of like that side just takes over and the the virus so to speak takes over but within Emu. So I guess the virus was created within Emu and then it manifests itself into Parado but there's still like residual like virus he's still infected yeah and it still has a bit of his character as Parado in it yeah that's always at least how I interpreted it because it's Mm. not like Parado is going to possess him every single time right um he's off doing his own thing yeah but that yeah that was just how I took it It I also really liked it yeah I like I like the story I just kind of wish that it had more focus um, yeah, and it was like it was stretched. Wish... Yeah, I don't know. I liked him as like the delusional, spoiled brat, bad guy though, and that who eventually like came around. Yeah, I loved his whole storyline. I loved the way that he was annoying, but also like he he was de- very much a spoiled brat, but he was still scary. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that a spoiled brat childlike personality can still do so much damage was very uh intense yeah he also had one of my favorite like writer suits in the show like, I, yeah I, I really liked his uh kind of writer paradox form mm-hmm. really cool i feel like someone who kind of got lost in this show was graphite i like, was just about to say that yeah he started <laughs> out being really important until he wasn't anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, that's right. We got to bring him back. Hang on. Wait. Uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he, he he died like pretty early on. And then uh, Parada brings him back. Yeah. But then he still is very much in the background for a while until until towards the end where he has this like noble side of him come out where he just wants to play the game by the rules. Like he doesn't want... Yeah. It's almost like he respects the rules, so... Well, because his... What was his game? His game was... uh, Dragon Knight thing? Right. Yeah. So it was like he was like the... And, and, you know, this is, you know, my thing. Just It seemed like he was that lawful evil dragon. Like, he was, you know... he, He just wanted to play that game and have the, like stand off with the knight and do that battle. And that was kind of what he culminated towards. And it was interesting for me how, um, by the end, a lot for a lot of it, it was like the bugsters, like sort of natural programming was coming out. Like they they were showing more of their game. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, like Poppy said, was saying like, what does it matter if we don't have anyone to play the games with? Right. And uh, how, like, the type of game that they were 
a part of uh, influenced the type of character that they had. Well, I so. wonder why did that manifest towards the end? Like, it didn't seem like that was the case in the beginning of the, sh- of the show. Um, well, and maybe this is, again, just, this is just a theory, but, um, I feel like it had a lot to do with when Dan was running the show versus when the Bugsters kind of took control hmm. of themselves. Right. And then when they ran away from, um, Masamune Dan... Like, we got to see more of them being themselves rather than them doing the bidding of someone else. Right. I can see that happening. It all seems kind of muddy for me. (laughs) It is very muddy. Yeah. But it was interesting to see him take take that stance. But it it just felt like it was a last-minute change to give him a proper send-off, whereas I wish he, like, showed that kind of mentality throughout the show. He yeah. Just kinda, he was just kind of there to fight. Yeah. Um, but well, he didn't he have did any a lot of, his fighting. I mean, to me, he did a lot of, like, proper taunting throughout the show. Like, uh... You know, the whole time he's like, ha ha, I'm the one who killed your beloved. I mean, he wasn't like that cartoonish, but he was very much kind of that like slithering, taunting, trying to bait everyone to get into the fight with him um, type of person. Yeah, he did. He did definitely like rub it in um, Hero's face a lot. And Tiger's too, because... Yeah. Uh, he also had something to do with that situation. Right. What was, what was he like? Was he her doctor or something? Or how did... Yeah, he was her doctor. And yeah. I think she was the first patient he had that died or something. Yeah, something Is like that. Is that why he's unlicensed? Yeah. I it was something s- like... I, I want to say it was something like he tried some crazy experimental thing to try to save her and it failed. And that's why he had his license revoked. Wasn't he just like a radiologist? Yeah, but you know. Was he only a radiologist? I say only. Was he really only a radiologist? I think Uh, so. Yeah, but. um, Kyria was a coroner. Uh, Right. Hiro is a surgeon. Uh, Emu is pediatrics and general care, I guess. I think Taiga was radiology. Let me see. Uh, Tiger was a radiologist. Yeah, yeah, he was in the radiology department. Huh. So unless he like misdiagnosed her or something? Oh, detecting and removing cancer cells in an instant. That was his mm. thing. And so he, let's see. Since he was chosen to become a comrade after accidentally discovering the essence of bugster viruses through conventional methods, um... Yeah, I don't know why he's unlicensed, to be honest. Um, I think it's... Okay, so, like, within the show, the common Riders and, like, all their gear is, I guess, the answer to CR. And mm-hmm. I think he took, like, an early version of the gamer driver and the, the gunshot he uses and 
Um, tried to take on Graphite, and he lost, and that led to Saki dying because Graphite is the bugster that came from. They came from her. Yeah. Okay, and then yeah, I'm looking at it, and his defeat cost Saki her life, and his doctor's license was subsequently revoked for disobeying orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like they decided that... that he'd become overly obsessed with the power of the Gashets. That's another thing with this show. There's so much supplemental material. I mean, uh, there really is. Like, you have to read it all almost to keep track of it. It's ridiculous. Like, going back to uh, the reading of the names in the last episode, yeah. there's this moment where, it, like, as a name is being read, it focuses on Taiga. And if you hadn't seen his spinoff, you wouldn't know why that's, like, why it's focusing on him at that point. Which yeah. I didn't see. I still Me neither. Seen. Basically, it's, uh, like, a friend of his who became, like, a bugster or something and died. Uh, gotcha. So as that as that name's being read on it, like it focuses on him, and like he's got this like moment of like somber. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I did not like Tiger in this show. He wasn't great. I didn't like. Ooh, I didn't like. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like Tiger yeah. or Hero really. Like, um, they were even... very bland, boring soap opera y type people. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. They were out of everyone else. They were the most soap opera like, and they were given so much screen time. <laughs> yeah, like they were just the epitome of brooding and just like it. It was annoying, like to the point where I was today. I was watching the Comrade uh, vs Super Sentai uh, Cho Superhero Tyson movie, and mm-hmm. it has. Hero go up against his quote unquote dark self or evil self or whatever. Mm-hmm. Literally, no difference in the acting between the two. <laughs> like it, 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 it's both just like you know, blank staring and you know, low tone voice and brooding and you know, delivering your lines with like very little emotion. And it's like, what's the point? <laughs> I don't get yeah. it. I think with Taiga, he was very clearly supposed to be a his entire character is supposed to be a reference to Blackjack. And I think once you have one character like that in the show, if you introduce another character who's supposed to be just as serious, it it doesn't really work. They don't play off each other well. And it means that the other characters around them have to be a bit more extreme to balance things out. Blackjack? Uh, it's a manga from Tezuka. It's really, okay. really, like, really prolific work. It's basically about, like, it's pretty much if Taiga had his own series. It's about, like, an e- like a dark doctor. Okay. Gotcha. Also, like, just personal gripe. I am so annoyed that I didn't like Taiga because his actor was in Ultraman X as a sort of periphery character. And yeah. in there, I kept thinking, boy, it'd be cool if this guy was a common writer. He could probably pull it off. And <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> It's kind of I the mean, opposite. Oh, go ahead. I just, I think that a lot of it had to do with the writing. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest. So, I think one of the things this show suffers from is it feels like around episode 30, once everyone starts coming back to life in quick succession, um, it, to me, it clearly felt like there was something going on behind the scenes. Like, maybe the writer, because it, this is one of those shows where one person wrote every single episode. There is no secondary writer. Um, oh, did that happen? Yeah. That's um, awful. I don't know if you've seen the recent Lupin series, but it's the same guy who did that. 
Um, mm. So I think what happened is around episode 30 or so, they tell him, hey, so can you like make it so people are alive because we want to do the ending in the movie? And like he has to quickly rework things and you get this final act that kind of sort of works, but like well, more things pop up that bother you than you wish were there. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just felt way too convenient and way too like this is this doesn't feel like a natural progression. This feels like they're checking off things like this character has to come back. This character has to come back. They have to have a little bit of drama before they're friends again. And then we can just introduce this other bad guy. Yeah. Then another issue I had is because you know that the movie is the real ending and because you see every single character in the trailer, you know that they're all going to make it out alive. Even if they die, they're they're going to come back to life somehow. So it kind of takes the sting out of any death or consequences. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like ghost where ghost kept dying, <laughs> coming back again and again and again. Like after a while, it's like you kind of lose that effect and no one cares. Yeah. Yep. So that, so that movie is the true ending. Yeah. It takes place a couple of months after the final episode. Right. And the whole thing with it is that it ends on a note of bugsters are a just an accepted medical virus now they're going to be around for a long time and so we're going to need common riders to fight them for the foreseeable future yeah mm. this show is weird like in in a way that like it it feels like so much has happened but it also feels like it kind of led to a neutral spot neutral like, is the perfect way to yeah. I mean, personally speaking, I, I really enjoyed the characters. There were a lot of plot twists that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, I loved the show, uh, except for a couple of suits that like were kind of. <laughs> but <sighs> in there were, in the long run, like looking at it as a whole, it's kind of like, was it really that good of a show? I mean, it wasn't as bad as the last couple of years. I wouldn't call it a bad show, but I don't think I would call it a great show. Yeah. I enjoyed Ghost more. Mm. I'll say it. <laughs> I know that's not a popular opinion, but I, I genuinely enjoyed Ghost more. I know at least one person who would agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I struggle to think if I would actually recommend this to, to someone who hasn't seen it. Because it's not a bad time, but it just feels like by the it's end not- of it. It's not something I would, if I were in, like, trying to get someone to like Tokusatsu or get into Kamen Rider, it's not what I would pick. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I have trouble recommending, like, any show within the last five or six years as a first Kamen Rider show. I mean, For sorry, me, Forza. Sorry, Kitty. <laughs> well, yeah, down. Kitty was before. Yeah, no, Forza was before that, so. But, Forza was really great. Forza was, like... Hey, this is light. This is pretty light. It's pretty fun. You know, we're not going to get too deep into it, but there's still like a little bit of darkness. Things get, you know, go wrong. It was very cohesive. There was a lot to like about Forza for me. Aside from I really needed a palate cleanser from Drive, a.k.a. (laughs) Kamen Rider Genocide. Um, Yeah, I I would say Forza is a good starting point. X-Aid... 
There's too much. There's, there's, like there's... I genuinely, I turned, I started watching. Uh, I had my one binge day where I watched like the second half, and I was on episode like early twenty something, and I put it up on the big TV so I didn't have to sit at my desk. And my husband saw the suits and just started cracking up and was like, "What the fuck are those?" Excuse my language, but what just what are those? Mm-hmm. That's part of why I struggled to recommend this as a first series because it's like, yeah, it's so much and it's so different from what a lot of common writer is mm-hmm. as far as aesthetically. That if you watched anything else, it kind of be like you you would kind of not get it, and it feels yeah. like it feels like this is a show that you watch after a few short. After you've seen a few series and you get Absolutely. a feel of what you get a feel of what Common Rider is and you know how it works. Absolutely. So like, there's um an anime this season called Anime Gatteris, and it is an anime show for people who love anime. It's all tropes. <laughs> it features like one person to represent each of the major genres and each of the re- like major things that people like about anime and if you don't know anything about anime you're not gonna get it you're not gonna get why it's so funny like you'll still be like find it an enjoyable show about you know an anime club at a high school but there's just so much that is just inside jokes for people who watch a lot of anime and anime references all over the place and i feel like x-aid is a little bit like that they have a lot just a lot going on (laughs) yeah yeah, I feel like, like, cause I I love how the a lot like the aesthetic of it. I love the suits. I love how crazy '90s all of the colors are. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it feels like if I was gonna show someone a series, I would show them something that's a lot simpler mm-hmm. in like how the writer system works and stuff, and focus more on the story, mm-hmm. so that they'd get a feel for how it all works before you get this thing where like three thousand things are singing and like flashing and there's just like so much stuff being thrown out. You don't know what to focus on. Yep. And it all kind of distracts from what's really going on. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I, I think it was an okay show. Uh, yeah. Um, here's a question. What, what would you guys say is your favorite moment in the series? Ah. <sighs> So, well, Kitty, thanks. For me, it's definitely uh, Emu fake killing Parado and Parado thinking, you know, he's actually going to die. Mm. I think the actor sells it really well. You see the fear of death on his face. And for the first time, he's kind of realizing, oh, crap, this is what I've done. This is what I've been doing to other people. This is how bad it must feel. So it feels like, like a real... I don't know like how to word it, but it feels like a villain learning his lesson in a very, very realistic way. He's learning what death feels like, and he's learning. It's very satisfying. It. Yeah, that's there. We go. It's satisfying because you know he's a brat up until that point, mm-hmm. and here, like suddenly, it clicks with him. Like, oh no, this is a bad thing that I've been doing. Crap, it's going to happen to me. I am terrified, and the actor yeah. sells that fear like like awesomely. And then you just have mm-hmm. that really cool very like artsy shot of him falling into the pool and emu letting him go Mm -hmm. to me yeah that was easily the best scene in the entire show yeah i think that was definitely 
a really, really great moment. It was probably the best moment of the show. As for which one I enjoyed the most, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I binged the entire second half and I was like, cool, I did that. And like, it (laughs) left. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Um, for me, I think the the moment that had the most impact for me was when Kiria died. Mm, yeah, that yeah. that was that was my big impact moment. Um, um, I liked him so much, and I was so mad when he was gone, and I wasn't going to get to see him anymore. And I was like, "Ugh, you're leaving me with Hiro and Taiga. Why would you do this?" Yeah, it's like. Going back to what we said earlier, like this aired on Christmas in Japan, so there's yeah. that, and then in the West, it's like it aired on Christmas Eve, so it was like, "Hey, enjoy Christmas tomorrow now." My right. favorite character is gone. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, another scene I really liked, uh, and this goes back to the whole I don't really know what to think about this show, is at the end when Parado comes back to life for what seems like the second or third time, mm-hmm. and looking at it from a subjective point an objective point of view it's kind of it seems lame that he comes back in this really very cheaply written manner but at the same time i could not help but feel really happy when emu's like rubbing his eyes to make sure he's actually there in front of him like i felt i was like yeah it's it's cool the family's back together yeah um yeah you guys both took my (laughs) because <laughs> like because <laughs> yeah no no it's cool because like i i feel like that just means that we have the same like, we're on the same wavelength as far as our favorite moments um like parado like learning the consequences of his actions that was just such a powerful moment um as far as like a standout moment throughout the series like i think everybody's gonna remember for a long for like at least a couple of years like seeing kiria die like that like, I think everybody, like, especially seeing him so close to revealing, like, the true motives of Dan and then seeing him get killed. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be, that's, like, one of those moments that you'll refer back to, like, a few years later, you know? Um, to be different and to, th- to, <laughs> to bring up a more funny and weird moment mm-hmm. is when Dan comes back through a continuation Mario pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Every like, time. Like, the first time that happened, you're just like, what? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. from what I remember, it was a rather serious moment. Yeah, yeah. that and was, was it when, uh, like, he's having the whole I'm Poppy's dad thing going on? I think so. I think that and was. he was like, prote- I'm going to protect her or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. And then he dies. And all yeah. of a sudden, you just hear, boop, boop, boop. And he comes <laughs> And that was one of those like moments where you kind of just stare at the screen, just like, "What am I watching?" Right. And yeah, that was that was a uh, amusing moment for me, at least. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I'm going to change mine. One of my favorite moments, the the most satisfying moment for me, was when uh, after Kitty gets brought back, and he's been playing the bad guy and he turns around and is a good guy again. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Like I was so, I was like, no, this is just, it's all a ruse. It's all a ruse. Right. Right. The best, (laughs) the best part about that is that if you watch him 
in the background at like after that reveal like from then to the end yeah, you yeah. just see him interacting with everyone else and you're just like god i wish you were here the whole show like he right? just he's he's the kind of guy who just kind of egg like he he sort of like pokes at everyone is just like is this really happening like he's he's the kind of person that's just kind of there in the moment and is reacting to everything like he's he's the one that's surprised when something happens he's the one that's angry when something happens he's not just like stone-faced he's the one reacting and yeah. episodes after that when he's just in the cr office with everybody he's the comic relief that you kind of wanted in the show and the show kind of needed it's almost Where like you yeah. wish he was the main character <laughs> yeah i really do wish he was the main yeah. character god he's so good oh can i can i add another moment yeah. my favorite moment is every time Kyrie transforms because he always does a different kick yep and it's just <laughs> so cool like um going back to the movie that i just watched he does a he does the transformation he does a different kick where he does like a back kick into the transformation icon i'm just like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> um, so jumping on that real quick i do remember in the preview for the episode in where he died, it shows him transforming. And I remember you being so excited because, like, he was going to do a roundhouse oh. kick or something to transform. You're like, cool, awesome, he's going to do that. I, I hope he does more kicks like that. And then he dies. He dies. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. my, my thing was that because um, a lot of the time when he transformed, he would transform with everyone else. And it would always be a wide shot where it shows all three of them. And you'd see him do the spin kick, but it's, like, always from a distance. So then this was one of the first times you see him do it up close, like just him, a solo shot, close up, and you see him do the kick, and I was like, holy crap, that's going to look awesome. And it turns out it's the episode he dies in. It's like, yeah. no! Uh. <sighs> I feel like it went to our favorite moments of the show, to our favorite Kiria moments. <laughs> oh, uh, let me just, more Kiria stuff. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I thought this was really amusing. In, um, so Toei makes like official Twitter accounts for all of their shows. And when Kiria died, he was such a popular character that his death was trending on Twitter for like a couple of days. Um, so there's a scene from a movie called Grave of the Fireflies. Don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, I haven't seen it. No. It's basically, I'm afraid to. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't know about it, it's an anime movie that takes place during World War II and it follows mm. two orphans as they basically starve and struggle to survive during uh, rationing. And gotcha. the main character's little sister, she's like five years old, she dies. And there's this line in the movie where someone asks, why did she have to die so soon? And the XA Twitter tweeted out right after the episode aired, why did Kiria have to die so soon? And people mm -hmm. just lost their shit at that to the point where they had to retract the tweet and actually apologize. And I thought that was hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I remember the internet just, like, the tokusatsu internet, like, just went up in flames when he died. Like, it was crazy. Like, you had to watch it that weekend. Otherwise, you would just be spoiled because it was everywhere. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like, it's... it's whew. Okay, so... I feel like this is kind of one of the things that benefits me being, like... As much as I'm, you know, a part of Tokunet and everything, I'm very outside of the community. Yeah. And also never on Twitter. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get back into Twitter, and I'm just so bad at Twitter. I'm <laughs> bad at social media so in general. Let me correct myself. The, the actual line was, why do fireflies have to die so soon? It's a question asked by 
I think the little girl. Mm-hmm. So it's basically talking about, you know, the you know, the fact that life is not permanent, that it comes and it goes. So yeah. people were not happy about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, <laughs> you have that and then you have Dan's actor on Twitter saying, I thought it was a good episode. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Just a one, two punch to the fans. Like, you guys are terrible, but so great. That was so much fun. Yeah. Um, so does that mean that our collective favorite characters is Kyria? I think so. <laughs> I think so. so that was, was going to be my next question, but since the since the we you know gushed about her for the past five ten minutes, Kyria, like, I'm guessing it's Kyria. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kitty. If you haven't seen it, there is a special. Uh, it was like a YouTube special focused on Kyria, and it's it's really funny. Nice. I'll have to Actually, check it I don't out. I've seen that. I, I showed. I think I showed it to you. Yeah. Hmm. It's the you know the oh my god moment. Nope, not striking a card. Nope. I'll have to check it out. You'll have to send it to me. Yay! Hello. It's hilarious. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to go to our final thoughts on the show? Yeah. Uh, George, you want to start? Um. So. It was a good show. It wasn't bad by any means. It's I thought shows like Drive and Ghost were pretty bad, and I couldn't find myself enjoying them. Ghost was mm-hmm. a, a lot better than Drive, but still not a show I would rewatch of my own volition. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, I'm a, and because of how much I enjoyed the characters, I'm able to forgive a lot more in X Aid than I am mm-hmm. with other shows. And if X Aid did one thing right, it was give us a really nice lovable cast of characters almost to the point where they're so lovable that you're like i don't care if the writing doesn't make sense i just want to see them happy and that does kind of conflict with me wanting to see a well-written show because there is so much that happens and it feels weird complaining that like this show has a little too much going on it kind of, but it kind of feels like it's not a progression of a story it feels like they're kind of just falling face first into new story arcs and plot themes every single episode and because mm-hmm. of that i don't think i can call it a great show but it's not the worst show and it's a show that like if i want like a pick-me-up i will watch an episode or two mm-hmm. so those are my thoughts yeah uh, kitty it's fine like <laughs> <laughs> it's over the top it's a little ridiculous but it has some solid points and it you can definitely see where there was a lot of thought put into things and overall i would say it's enjoyable i didn't get to i mean i broke it up from my usual binging like i didn't do like what i did with ghost and just stay home for three days and do nothing but watch ghost and binge the entire thing because I hated myself. (laughs) Um, Like by the time I got to the, even though I liked ghost, but I think by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, I, I just want to be done. Even though I I think I enjoyed ghost more than I did X aid. I think that uh, overall X aid is enjoyable, especially if you are the type of person who likes laughing at soap operas. If you have it in you to 
be that kind of person who can like hear a line from a soap opera and just go <laughs> stupid then like <laughs> i think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of out of this show so yeah this show was okay mm-hmm. um it, it definitely had its good moments but like george said it just kept it just kept throwing stuff at you and if at some point it just felt like it was throwing stuff at you just to have stuff thrown at you mm-hmm. like it wasn't like things didn't happen because other things happened in the show. It just kind of a reveal happened, and you just kind of had to live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed most of the characters in the show. Um, for a main character, I felt Emu was very bland and kind of just middle of the road. Yeah. Um, I never liked or was like connected to Hero or Taiga at all. Um, I felt like Nico, a lot more could have been done with Nico and she definitely got, you know, robbed towards the end. Um, I didn't like the way her story ended. Uh, Poppy, I felt like they didn't know where, which direction they wanted to go with her for a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it took a long time for them to choose a path. Um, Dan was, Dan, (laughs) he's just ridiculous. Um, so for the most part, like it wasn't really the characters that kept me going with the show. It was more like, what are they going to do and the situations? But it, it felt like the situations weren't tied together as well. Uh, so it's, it, was, it, was, it was a decent show to watch as it aired. Um, it was definitely better because Ghost and Drive weren't that good. <laughs> like, it felt like a major improvement from both of those shows for me. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those shows where I can't say you've got to watch X Aid. Uh, it's one of those shows where, where it's like if you've seen enough shows uh, and you're kind of looking just for something um, colorful and you're kind of a perfectionist and a uh, uh, completionist, then yeah, watch X Aid. But there's definitely better shows out there for you to watch. Um, but if it interests you, go for it. If you, if it interests you and you think that it looks like it'll be a good show, go for it. You're, I don't think you'll be completely disappointed by it, but I think your miles will vary. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is our episode review of Comrade X-Aid. Uh, I want to thank both George and Kitty for being on this episode. Yeah. Thank you for hosting. God. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that <laughs> uh, threw me off so much. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I've started doing this thing where, like, people every time someone says something like gives me a compliment, I just go thanks, and because so, <laughs> I don't want it. So. Oh my god! So you make it so they don't say thanks, uh, say anything again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't say anything nice. Jeez. Why would you uh. thank me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but seriously, in all, in all honesty, thank you for uh, hosting another episode of the podcast and for bringing it back. I'm really excited. Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you two are so weird. What? Who said that? Huh? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we shall see everybody in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
The Tokenet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official Tokusatsu news and media. This episode was produced and edited by Yasin Bulhan, with theme song by Kevin McLeod. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, such as iTunes or Stitcher. It helps other Tokusatsu fans find us, and it really does help out the show. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tokenet, where, if you're at the Common Rider level, you can get early access to this episode and our future podcast episodes, plus extra rewards. Team Tokenet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. We'll be right back.